Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. morning church if you're following along in your Bible please turn to John chapter 6 I think you're at in your as you work through John your John chapter 6 verse 30 onwards we'll be looking at verse 30 to verse 50 Father in heaven, Lord, we do thank you for your word. We ask Heavenly Father to bless us now as we look at your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The crowds maximize their efforts in search for Jesus after he fed them miraculously with a lot of food. Even with leftovers, you can take home. You know how it works at a restaurant. You order your meal, leftovers. You ask the receptionist or the waiter, give me a container, I'll take some home. And you take that home. They had lots of leftovers. Good things are happening on this field, on this grass where they were sitting. Jesus told them not to work for food that spoils but for food that endures for eternal life, which he will personally give them. Taking up Jesus' offer, they asked him, what must we do in keeping this unending supply? Jesus responded in verse 29, Believe in the one God has sent, For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then comes the question in verse 30. There's a lot of questions with with this crowd. And here's another one. What sign then will you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do, Jesus? Now church, just the day before... They had a sign when Jesus miraculously fed them with five loaves and two fish. You see, unbelief is never satisfied, no matter how much evidence is given. Jesus, in his ministry in Luke 16, 21, said, Those who reject the truth of God's word will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. He knew it all along what's going on. And we see this sort of mentality played out with the unbelieving Jewish leaders that is seen on Calvary's hill mockingly said, Let this Christ, the King of Israel, now come down from the cross so that we may see and believe. Unfortunately, 
the way they think. Now, rather to admit the truth when Jesus rose from the dead, a far greater miracle than coming down the cross, they still refuse to accept. They desperately attempted to cover up the reality of his resurrection. Now, here in this text, the crowd is looking for more signs. Give us more miracles. They are demanding a sign, Jesus claimed, back in verse 29. The evidence of God's approval on him. Now, miracles and signs were always there in Jesus' ministry. He turns water into wine at the wedding. He cleanses the leper. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. He calms the storm. And many more signs and miracles throughout his ministry. The latest, when the same crowd took part in the eating when he fed the 5,000. In Matthew 12, 39, Jesus responding to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law when they wanted more miracles and signs, Jesus told them, a wicked and adulterous generation ask for a sign. But none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. So the problem, church, is not a lack of evidence, but a lack of heart to see and believe. The crowd looking for Jesus want more of him to prove he was the Messiah by providing them with an unending supply of food. People are the same today. Looking for more and more evidences, using circular questions and circular arguments. When in reality, they are not interested in the truth. Is this self-proclaimed prophet greater than Moses, who gave our ancestors manna from heaven for 40 years? Yes, Jesus, you fed us and had 12 baskets left over. But our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness every day. It is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat every day for 40 years. Can you beat that, Jesus? Repeat what you did yesterday. Keep it coming. Moses just didn't multiply existing food, Jesus. He gave us fresh manna every morning. Isn't that what Jesus told them in verse 26? You are looking for me not because of the signs, but because you had your fill. And now you're asking for more signs. They implied that Moses called on food from heaven. And the Lord in his reply deepens their understanding of the truth, what really happened. It was God who gave the manna. And in verse 32, if you're following along, two truths is expressed here. First, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. He says, Lord, and he says in Exodus 16, 4, I will rain, the Lord said, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. 
and the people are to go out each day and gather for food. And they should do, take enough for that day. The other truth expressed here is his father who gave the man from heaven is giving him now the true spiritual bread from heaven. The manna gave them sustenance to sustain their physical life. The food had no impact on their spiritual life. The manna was little food intended for Israel's need at that time. But the true manna, the true spiritual bread, who came down from heaven, gives life to the whole world beyond the physical, beyond the material, beyond the 40 years. Then comes the question in verse 34. Just like many today in our world, they still didn't get it. They were still thinking of literal loaves and not Jesus as the true bread that God has sent them. And so they asked him for this bread. Sir, Always give us this bread. They missed the point that Jesus is making. In reality, what they're asking for is an unending supply of food, which was a Jewish contemporary thought that the Messiah would come and do when he comes. Now, same as the woman at the well, but with a different outcome in John 4. The Samaritan woman wanted living water, so she would not have to go to the well every day. She had questions and requests, like this crowd of people. But the difference is, she got it. She didn't dismiss the point who Jesus is when he told her about her deep secret life. And she became a believer, then went out in her village, heralding, come and see the man who told me everything, and many believed. Come, see, and believe. The crowd wanted the bread so that they would not have to toil in, in maintaining life. For 40 years, their ancestors went and picked food up every morning without laboring for it. They were thinking purely in the material sense of nourishment by having handouts. They still did not realize that Jesus was speaking about himself as the true bread who came down from heaven. You know, church, people today still want Jesus only for the benefits he's able to give and want more and more evidences to believe. Jesus responded to the crowd request in verse 25 that begins with one of the seven I am. I am the bread of life. Telling them that I am the sustenance for your spiritual life that you need. And whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. 
the human need to know God is exposed metaphorically as hungering and thirsting. And in Jesus in his ministry, he teaches some of that, those things. He said in, in uh, Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In the Psalm 42, As a deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you. Believing in the New Testament involves coming. It's, it's not just mental knowledge, but one has to come to Christ. We see this kind of, of thinking and teaching in Isaiah 55, 1-3. It reads, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. You see what's going on here, church? The idea is come, believe, and receive. It's ongoing throughout the scripture, throughout God's word. He continues, why spend money on what is not bread, and you labor on what does not satisfy? They run around all over to have peace of mind and to have comfort, and they will not find it. Because they have a vacuum in their heart that God designed for relationship, for fellowship with them. Why spend money on what is not bread? You labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fear. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. To come to Christ is to forsake the old life of sin and rebellion and submit to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. As Charles Spurgeon put it, you and your sins must separate or you and your God will never come together. You and your sins must separate or you and your God will never come together. Look at verse 36. But, I, but as I have told you, you have seen me, and you still do not believe. And he rebuked them, st their stubborn hearts, with heavenly theology. This theology now, going on from verse 35, which I'm going to pick upon, can bring some disturbances, can bring some confusion if you don't understand and can be a controversial topic. The Lord was not discouraged by the unbelief of the Jews. And by anyone today. And here is the point Jesus makes. And for us to learn. One cannot be saved unless they come to Christ. And they cannot come unless they are given to Christ. And all who are given to Christ will certainly come. I say it again. One cannot be saved unless they come to Christ. And they cannot come unless they are given to Christ. 
And all who are given to Christ will certainly come. This verse, along with verse 44, is very important because it states in a few words two of the most important teachings in the Bible when it comes to salvation. The first is that God has given certain ones to Christ and that all whom he has given will be saved. The second is man's responsibility. In order to be saved, a person must come to the Lord Jesus and accept him by faith. The Bible teaches that God does not choose some people to be saved, but the Bible never teaches that God chose some people to be damned. Never did that. If anyone is saved, it is because of the free grace of God. But if anyone perishes forever, it is their own fault. In keeping with the same author's inspired word, John teaching, he said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In grace, God stooped down and saved individual people out of the grace mass of humanity. Does God have the right to do this? He certainly does, according to Romans 9. But we know from God's character, he will never do anything wrong and unjust. His name is love. 1 John 4, 8 and, and 16. His name is love. He'll never do anything unloving and unjust. But just as the Bible teaches that God has elected certain persons for salvation, it teaches that man is responsible to accept the gospel. God makes a universal offer that if a man will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they will be saved. God does not save men against their will. They must come to him in repentance and faith. The human mind cannot reconcile these two teachings. They are there even if we do not understand them or they are there even if we do not want to believe them. We are limited in our finiteness. It's heaven's theology, not earth's theology. People cannot come to Christ because it's a good idea. And salvation is not only for a certain people to get saved. The Bible says in Romans 11, the natural man never thinks it's a good idea. By nature, man is in rebellion. So believing involves coming, coming away from the world's emptiness, coming away from the worldly passion, as 1 John 2.16 puts it. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Come away and come to Jesus. Now coming to the church, means not coming to the church, but come to Christ. People are not on the inside because they take part in the fish and the bread. 
People cannot come to Christ by socializing with other Christians by having food fellowship. People need to come to God to be regenerated, to be transformed. That can only happen through Jesus Christ. The bread from heaven. And for young people, not much here now, in the Sunday school, young people, you too have to come to Jesus personally. It is not your mom and dad's faith. It's not grandma and grandpa's faith. It's your personal faith with Jesus Christ. And when young people, young children, and some of you who are young here today, as I say, young, and you have come to the Lord, you know how much baggage you can fetch during life if you don't follow Jesus Christ. Lots of baggage. And it becomes very heavy when you come to Christ. It's always, they're always torn in your flesh. So come early. Come at an early age. So you'll not have to fetch some of those baggage you pack throughout your life. Now the biblical doctrine of election and human responsibility are two irreconcilable truths. Not in opposition, but are side by side to each other. Two sides of the same coin that are taught in the Bible. And this teaching is in harmony with the infinite Father and Jesus. It is their sovereign plan. And unless the Father begins to work in the hearts and the lives of people, unless God had not spoken to our hearts, we would never have the desire in the first place to need of a Savior. We have the choice of accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the choice to refuse Him. So the doctrine of election brings comfort to the believer, giving assurance that anyone who came to Jesus will never be lost. Assurance. But will be raised on the last day. The doctrine of human responsibility brings no confusion to the unbeliever also. Because in the same verse reads, Come, whoever comes, I will never drive away. Put some more ammunition to that. In Acts 17.30, it reads, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. All people. Second Peter 3.9 God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Everyone is there again. Second Thessalonians 2.13 But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Both is there. Look at verse 41. At this the Jews there began to grumble about him. What's the reason for the grumbling? Because Jesus said, he's the bread that came down from heaven. Oh, they're grumbling now. They want fish and bread more, and now they're grumbling. 
The religious leaders knew what that claim meant in verse 41. Here is not only the provider of the materials, but claiming to be the source of eternal life when he claimed deity equal with God. It's a hot topic today. Still going on. You see, church listeners, when the demand of Jesus becomes personal, people will find excuses. And that is why later in this chapter, in verse 66, many that began to follow Jesus departed. Why did they depart? This is hard teaching. We cannot accept it. Verse 42. The crowd thought of him merely on a human level. The carpenter's son. Oh, we know Mary. We know Joseph. He's the carpenter's son. Joseph's son. Probably they went and had their furniture repaired. Probably they had new furniture made by this family. He's just the carpenter's son. Joseph's son. Neglecting the fact, the fact that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary and his father was the Holy Spirit through an immaculate conception. Their failure to believe in the virgin birth led to darkness. Darkness of heart, darkness of mind. Eyes are closed. So it is today for those who refuse to accept Jesus as the Son of God who came into the world through the womb of the virgin. They find themselves compelled to deny all the great truths concerning the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It's a known fact. People will tune in and accept Jesus as a prophet. But when it comes to deity, they will tune themselves out by rejecting the person and the work of Christ. They'll do it. There is no room to reduce Jesus to a created being. No room whatsoever. Here is a divine pre-existent person found in John 1, 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Again in verse 43, the grumbling continues. And Jesus made it clear that unbelievers are unable to come to Jesus on their own initiative. Verse 44, their murmuring was useless. Comes to a point now where it's useless. And Jesus is going to just put a nail in the coffin now. Jesus said to them, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Again, emphasizing man's helplessness and utter inability to respond to Jesus apart from God's sovereign call. And I will raise them up on the last day. Everyone who comes to Christ will be kept by him safe and secure. You're a believer this morning. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. You're kept safe and secure. Your status, your citizenship is in heaven. It's safe 
and secure. No moth, no rust to destroy anything. That's how safe this is. It's not in the Bank of Canada, not in Toronto Dominion Bank. It is in a bank in heaven, safe and secure. There is no possibility that even one elect will be lost. Judas, the son of perdition, was not due to Jesus failing to keep him. Jesus knew all along that Judas was a false disciple. He was a fake. Judas was personally responsible for his own wicked actions. Then jump to verse 45. Having stated in strong terms that no man could come to him unless the Father drew them, Jesus quotes Isaiah 54, 13. And they shall all be taught by God. It is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. Those who come to Jesus is because they are supernaturally instructed by God. He speaks to the hearts through the teaching of his precious word. The man, the woman's own will is involved in this. Those who respond to the teaching of God's word and learn from the Father are the ones who come to Christ. And here we see the two truths of God's sovereignty and man's choice placed side by side in the scripture. They show us that salvation has a divine side and salvation has a human side as well. It is the teaching of God's word and God's spirit that men and women are drawn to God. Verse 46. Jesus is the only one who has seen the Father. He came from heaven in the deity he invented the plan. And so he knows what he's talking about when he says, when he comes to, hev- when he comes to the heavens, plan salvation. Because he's eternally in heaven with the Father, he can speak authoritatively about the Father. The Son is qualified to speak firsthand about the expectation of the Father and the truth about salvation. He knows what he's talking about. He designed the plan. He knows the plan. He executes the plan. And he redeemed the plan. He blesses the plan. Look at verse 47. He went harder. He pressed now. Most assuredly, verily, truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Salvation is not by works. Salvation is not by church membership, not by being baptized, not by law, but by simply by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Come, see, and believe. Come, see, and believe. Verse 48, 49. Again, Jesus reinforces that he is the bread of life. The Jews have previously brought up to the subject of the manna in the wilderness and challenge the Lord to produce some food as wonderful as that or even greater. They challenge him in the beginning. And here the Lord reminds them that their fathers had eaten the manna in the wilderness and they were dead. In other words, the manna is just for physical life. 
It did not have any power to give eternal life to those who ate them. And verse 50. But here is the bread that comes from, down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Eat refers metaphorically to believing in Jesus to be saved from eternal damnation. See, church, listeners, Jesus alone rescues sinners from eternal debt by offering forgiveness. When the believer dies physically, the body will be raised on the last day in a glorious state like Jesus' resurrected body. For those of us who are hungry for spiritual nourishment, Jesus extends the offer of unending life with God. Not like what the crowd asked for, unending food supply. Jesus offer unending life with God. May we believe and trust that he came to satisfy our deepest longings. Learn, listen and learn does not make one a believer. You have to come and eat. Take him in your life. As you're going through the Gospel of John, you might pick up or you notice but look for this. A careful reading of John's gospel is to bring people to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Whom God has placed his seal of approval on. May God bless us as we reflect and meditate about this true bread of life that came down from heaven. Amen.